Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Welcome back to the Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we are going to be covering, I would say, one of the most contentious topics that we receive in terms of emails or messages and so forth from people who hold to a view of holding some of, it really depends on who you're talking to, but some of the Mosaic Covenant. And so we're going to be talking about that. And specifically what we're going to do is interact with one of Joe, Pastor Joe Schimmel, the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries, a message that he gave a little over, a little under a year ago titled, Are We Under the Old Testament Laws? And as I said, this is one of the more important topics of our day. And what Joe goes into in this very first clip is he tries to, I guess, quell or get someone to understand first and foremost, that we are not going to pendulum swing from we're not going to keep the law in order to have salvation over to the antinomian side, which stands for having no law whatsoever. And Joe's going to be going into the law of Christ and so forth. And I do believe this is one of our better subjects that we cover here at Good Fight Ministries. And I want to thank all of our supporters, those who subscribe to the Good Fight Radio Show YouTube channel, as well as the Good Fight Ministries YouTube channel as well. And all of our supporters at patreon.com slash goodfight. You guys are a big blessing to us, and I know these are questions that some of you guys send us, so we want to answer them as much as possible. And in this message, I'm going to be giving you the Reader's Digest version of this message. So the description of it will be, or I'm sorry, <laughs> the the entire message will be in the description of this teaching. And I really, really hope that you go and check out the entire message because it's way more in-depth than I can even get into in this half-hour show. So on this first clip, as I said, Joe is going to deal with whether or not we're going to pendulum swing from Mosaic Covenant Keepers to antinomian without people without any law if you've been at blessed hope anytime long or you're familiar with our teaching uh you're familiar with my teaching as a pastor uh you know very well that we warn against unbiblical extremes we warn against license and legalism because the road is narrow that leads to life amen and those who turn God's grace into a license, which there's a number of books like Jude and Second Peter and parts of the Apostle Paul's letters and other writings as well that warn of those, against those who would turn God's grace into a license for immorality, that we can just live, run amok, live in sin, not obey the Lord, be in rebellion to him and call ourselves Christians and still inherit the kingdom of God in the end. They're going to have a very, very, very rude awakening on judgment day because the Bible says, be not deceived, Paul says, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. However, there's another extreme. People see the licentious, libertine extreme, and then they turn the other way, and they go swing the pendulum all the other way where they think they have to keep the law of Moses to be saved. And they're teaching others, and a lot of people see this chaos in the quote-unquote church of people just living like hell, thinking they're going to heaven, and they, they think that's wrong, but then what happens is they get suckered into believing that you have to keep the law of Moses 
to be saved. And that the Mosaic law, which was given to the Jews for a period of time, was really, you know, for us too. And we must keep it to be right with God. And that's what we call legalism. You're being, putting on people rules, laws that God never intended them to be under. And so I deal with both sides and, and look at both false teachings because they're very, very serious. And we need to understand what the scriptures teach. We also need to have answers. If somebody came to you and they said, hey, you have to keep the, law, you have to keep the Sabbath and you, have to, you can't eat pork and you can't eat shellfish, you know, and, you know, and so forth. And you can't have two mixed fabrics in your attire and, you know, all kinds of different things. And you can't turn on your heater on Saturday uh, and so forth. And you can only go a mile on Saturday. If they said these types of things to you, how would you respond? And if they said, hey, you know what, you're going to hell because, you know, uh, or you're going to, you know, be annihilated as some of them will teach because you don't follow these laws. How would you respond? Well, I want this to be, this teaching, to be one of the best messages you could ever hear because I want you to be equipped on whether or not we are under the law of Moses. Yeah, I think this is a very, very good message, as I said. And it's interesting, we were down in Mexico while he was teaching this message, and I was actually down there with him, and he drove all the way up, I think it's a, you know seven or eight hours, depending on how long you're at the border, and he drove all the way up to get back to preach this message. I know it was burning on his heart, and so I really want you guys to check out the full message. But one of the important things is to say, hey, if antinomianism, right, if the grace changers and so forth, if these guys, if this is so serious that we believe this is a damnable heresy, what about those on the other side who start placing laws on top of, we call these plus religions. It's something that we usually put alongside the Catholic religion and so forth because what takes place is they add something to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we want to see how important is that and just how serious is it to believe such a doctrine? I want to quote to you a couple different popular ministries that teach that you have to keep the Sabbath and you have to keep the law of Moses and uh, that are making headway with many people. I've been on the mission field a number of times and sometimes I deal with Seventh-day Adventists. I love to talk to Seventh-day Adventists. A lot of them have a zeal for God and excitement uh, and I love them, but I feel bad for them at the same time because their leadership has skewed the message, you know. So if you're in the Seventh-day Adventist community or you're the, in 119 ministries, you've administered to these folks or some other Sabbatarian group or group that teaches that you have to keep the law of Moses, I'm not your enemy. I love you. Paul Sim says to the Galatians who fell under the same false teaching, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth, you know. And we don't please men. We seek to please God. Amen. So I want to encourage you uh, to, under, to just weigh this out with the scripture because I'm going to give you so many clear scriptures that we're not under the law of Moses and that it's very dangerous to think that you are. In fact, it could be soul damning. In fact, if you act upon it and think that you have to keep the law of Moses to be saved, Paul makes it very clear. So he says, stand fast the freedom where with Christ has set you free and don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. He calls it a yoke of bondage, the law of Moses. He said, any of you seeking to be circumcised to be justified or seeking to be justified by circumcision, he says, you have been cut off from the Christ and you have fallen from grace. That's serious stuff, folks. No, and that is really serious. And right after that, and I hope you guys can check out this clip in its entirety, 
right after that, he goes into some of the quotes from people affiliated with 119 Ministries. And sadly enough, we've been sent a lot of material from them that we just found to be absolutely false and some things that even have a hint of truth. But the problem is when you attach yourself into these these doctrines that are so unbiblical and that they're so dangerous, really what you're doing is straining a gnat and swallowing a camel. And so we don't want that to be taking place. We want to make sure we recognize the seriousness of it because the scriptures recognize the seriousness of it. And a lot of it has to do with not understanding our place when it comes to the Mosaic Law and how it relates to it, how it relates to us. So in this next clip, Joe is going to tell you about a story of going over to Israel and actually debating with a Pharisee and how it relates to not only the Old Covenant, but the promised New Covenant. You never see the Apostle Paul or James or John or Peter or Jude saying, make sure you keep the Sabbath. Make sure you keep the dietary laws. You don't see that. In fact, you see warnings against those who would saddle people and yoke them with such bondage. Now, it's interesting. Uh, years and years ago, I was invited with a bunch of pastors from Simi Valley to go to uh, Israel and one of the Israel trips I took, it was one of my early Israel trips. I had a great time. A lot of Simi pastors, and it was great getting to know, know the brothers better and better. And it was a beautiful time. But we were kind of brought into a room. And in that room, we were addressed by a man who identified himself. He was wearing all the garb as a Pharisee, a Jewish Pharisee. And he wanted to give us the reasons he believed Jesus was not the Messiah. And we had the pastors and the pastors' wives there. And he was going to argue and just give us a lecture why Jesus was not the Messiah. And you know what? I thought, I don't know if this is the best idea for the pastors, wives, and people that aren't, you know, that they could be shaken here, there on an Israel trip, you know, wanting to be excited about the Lord. And we're not going to really be able to rebut this guy as far as I know. And he could really get in their heads if he twists scripture and so forth. So I found a place in this cubicle kind of thing. And it's where they sold trinkets and stuff, where these guys ran this shop. And I found a little basket to sit on in the back to pray that, you know, just do some spiritual warfare and cry out to God that, that this guy would not dissuade anybody from following Jesus. And as I was doing this, and all the guys and the gals were cramming in, you know, it got kind of tight. And, I, and all of a sudden, a lady came back to where I was at. She got kind of found her way, a little niche place to stand. And I thought, you know what, I need to give up my seat, you know, because uh, I'm not going to be sitting down as a guy and a gal standing, so... I said, hey, would you like my seat? And I assisted, and she took it. And now I had to find a place, because I'm a little bit bigger than her, right? And I didn't really fit in her niche place. So I wandered and found a spot right by, in the middle by this, like, you know, there was a counter where I think, I thought the guys were going to come out. Then there was this thing in the middle that had trinkets on it. I'm standing there, and the Pharisee guy comes out and stands right next to me where he's going to talk. And we're pretty squished together. And I'm like, okay, Lord, you always do this to me. <laughs> I was like, okay, Lord, you know, whatever you're going to do, you're going to do. And I'll just say this, it got pretty ugly as far as what he was saying. He was denying that Jesus is the Messiah. He was saying, look, it says in Isaiah 53, you guys say this about Jesus as Messiah. It says his seed will prosper, but he was never married, you know. And he talked, you know, talking about how we're not under the uh, old covenant or, or we're under the old covenant. And the old covenant is a covenant that continues to this day. And we're still under this old covenant uh, that God gave us as Jews. And there's no reason that we would even need a new covenant and these things. And then I had to talk, you know, a couple of us spoke up 
And I mentioned to him, I said, when it says his seed will prosper there, I said, it's speaking of spiritual seed. It's not talking about him having children. And I let him know right there in the book of Isaiah, it talks about, uh, you know, the, the, the Jews that were in rebellion to God were the seeds of, seed of serpents. I go, you don't think that's physical, do you? Right? And he had to acknowledge that. And then I said, when it talks about a new covenant, I go, you need a new covenant. I go, because it says in the scripture that God divorced you under the covenant that he made you, made with you at Mount Sinai. And he hemmed and hawed said, never says that. Nowhere in the Old Testament does it say that God divorced Israel from the Old Covenant. Well, then I produced Jeremiah chapter 3, which we'll go to right now. Jeremiah chapter 3. And you get to Jeremiah chapter 3, and you read verse 1. It says, God says, if a husband divorces his wife and she goes from him and belongs to another man, will he, will she, he uh, still return to her? Will not that land be completely polluted? But you are hearted with many lovers, yet you turn to me, declares the Lord. So the Lord quotes his own law against in Deuteronomy 24. The Lord says if a man divorces his wife because he finds uncleanness in her, and she marries another man, and then she leaves that man or that man dies, she's not to return to that first husband under the Mosaic law, right? Because what will happen? She'll pollute the land, you know. And God quotes this passage and saying, you guys have done that to me. And not with just one lover, you've had many lovers. You've played the harlot. And then guess what he says? He says, he basically lets them know he's going to give them a right. He's giving them a right of divorcement. He had already given the right of the divorcement to the northern nation, Israel, the ten, uh, ten tribes of the northern kingdom. And now Judah, which comprised of the tribe of Judah and Benjamin, 150 years later, because the northern tribes went into captivity under the Assyrians, God divorced them. And now he says, hey, I divorced them. And he goes, but you've done even worse. If you read Jeremiah, more than once it comes up that Judah did even worse than her sister Assyria. And then we'll see in Jeremiah 31, it's clear that he had also given them the right of divorcement. We're going to see that. So he says to her, I thought that after she had done all this, she would return to me. But she did not. And her unfaithful sister Judah saw it. I gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce. Did you catch that? Because he made a covenant. And it was, the metaphor is a marriage covenant at Mount Sinai when God gave the Ten Commandments and he gave the law. He gave them a, continued to give them a bunch of laws, about 613 laws. Not all on that day. He continued to give them laws all the way up to the time they spied out the land. Gave them a law to keep wear tassels so they'd remember the word of God. Continued unfolding revelation in, the, in what we call Torah, the 613 laws. And he says, I gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce and sent her away because of all her adulteries. Yet I saw that her unfaithful sister Judah had no fear. She also went out and committed adultery. She did the same thing, even worse. And the Bible says God is not partial. So if God didn't divorce her, he would be partial. She was even worse than her sister. But he goes on to state that then when they return to him in the latter days, the only way they can be forgiven, by the way, he's going to let us know, is through a new covenant. Thank God for Jesus. Amen. Thank God that God becomes a man in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and dies for our sins and pays the penalty for all the broken laws. Amen? But in Jeremiah 3, 15 and 16, just a few verses later, he says, look up, listen to what he says. Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. In those days when your numbers have increased greatly in the land, declares the Lord, people will no longer say, the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Catch that? People no longer say, the ark of the covenant of the Lord. It will never enter their minds or be remembered. It will not be missed, nor will another one be made. Wow. Do you catch what he's saying? Keep in mind the Ark of the Covenant was a highlight. The temple was the, you know, one of the wonders of the world. 
but it's centered around the Ark of the Covenant, which was in the Holy Holies, because the Ark was made around the covenant that was given at Mount Sinai. The, 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 the Ten Commandments were in there, guys. The showbread was in there, amen. The rod that budded was in there. But the Ark of the Covenant, specifically, it's the Ark of the Covenant, the covenant God had made with them. But he says, hey, I already divorced her, and you're even worse. And there's going to come a time when I'm going to bring back to myself, but guess what? It's not going to be based on this covenant. You're not even going to think about the Ark of the Covenant. Are you with me? I think that's pretty crazy when you're really thinking about that text, and you're thinking about not thinking about the Ark of the Covenant, when you consider something like, David, right, dancing because the Ark of the Covenant has come back and, and so forth. When you look at over and over again, the Ark of the Covenant leaving and going and and how powerful it was, but the fact is that we now have the substance in Christ. And so one of the things that Joe goes over there, and I really wish I could play the whole clip, but we would be here all day, or you could simply click on not just this Reader's Digest version, but click on the full uh, teaching that will be in the description here is he goes into depth how Jeremiah chapter 31 is quoted twice in the book of Hebrews, in not only chapter 8, but also in chapter 10. And in chapter 8, verse 6 specifically, it talks about a better covenant that we have now. Not only do we have a better priest in terms of Christ himself in the order of Melchizedek, but we actually have a better covenant with better promises. And he says that on the heels of quoting Jeremiah 31. And then he finishes... Chapter 8, the author of Hebrews, he finishes the chapter, chapter 8, by saying that when Jeremiah said that new covenant, it says this, when he said a new covenant, he has made the first one obsolete. So we have to recognize that we are under the new covenant. We cannot be under the old covenant. And in this next clip, you're going to go, you're going to see Joe go into even more depth on that exact subject. But I pray that you don't allow the power and the peer pressure or one night, minutes, whatever you're into around you and the movement around you to allow you to continue to follow false prophets, false prophecies, false teachings, and follow the law of Moses, which is damning souls by people trying to keep it. I encourage you, pray God, give me the strength to come out of it and join together with brothers and sisters who are following the truth and righteousness. So we see in verse five, they were saying that you have to direct them to observe the law of Moses. Why? Verses 1 and 2, because they can't be saved without it. That's a lie. It's false teaching. Look what Peter says about this in Acts chapter 15, verses 10 and 11, at this same council. Now, therefore, why do you put to God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? You're going to tell them they have to keep the law of Moses to be saved? Our forefathers couldn't do it, and we couldn't do it. But we believe, listen to what Peter says, praise the Lord, Peter. But we believe that we are saved through gra the grace of our Lord Jesus in the same way as they also are. We're saved by grace through faith. Amen? By the way, remember Paul? Here Peter says, why are you putting the yoke of the law on them? Our forefathers couldn't keep the law, right? We couldn't keep it. We believe we're saved through faith in Christ. Amen? Why are you putting that yoke on them? That's why Paul will say to the Galatians, why will we say, stand fast to the freedom wherewith Christ has set you free. Don't be entangled again in the what? Yoke of bondage. He's talking about that yoke of the Mosaic law. That you got to keep that to be right with God. Or you'll be, he says, cut off from Christ and fall from grace. This is serious stuff. These are soul damning doctrines. If you think you have to keep the law of Moses to be saved and you're trying to be right with God based on your performance and your works, you will be doomed. 
You can only be saved through what Christ did on the cross and dying for your sins and being buried and rising again. Amen. Amen to that. And I think this is really important. And I believe we'll have to do a follow-up episode on this because one of the things he details, and we could detail even in more of a description here at the Good Fight Radio Show, is the differences or are the differences between the law of Christ versus the law of Moses. And the fact that under the new covenant, we are actually under the law of Christ. And that would be awesome to detail. But before we do that even on a, on a separate episode with Pastor Joe. One of the things that he details here is explaining what the gospel is in comparison to this false gospel that is given, and that's what it is. As according to Paul in Galatians chapter 1, when people were adding plus religion, when putting something on top of the fact that we are saved by grace through faith, it was a plus religion, one that was supposed to be anathematized, one that we look at and say that if you apply this and say, hey, yes, you got to have Jesus plus the Sabbath, you have to have Jesus plus circumcision, you have to have Jesus plus these dietary laws, what you're doing and what's taking place there is you are adding to the gospel. And Paul says, that's no gospel at all. So we're going to hear Joe explain what really is the gospel. You see, we have the sin debt. There's two people that owe something to each other when we break God's commandments. We owe him righteousness. Every time we have broken God's moral law, any law that was given to the Jews that they broke, any law, they owed God righteousness that they could never go back and pay. Because any righteousness they did subsequent to that time would be righteousness they had already owed God for those future commandments or the future keeping of his commandments. And, and they couldn't be perfect then either. So we just racked up this huge sin debt where we owe God righteousness. And guess what? God, because he is holy and just and righteous, owes us what? Punishment, wrath, because he's a holy God. He has to punish, right? So how does that problem get solved other than our damnation? The only way that problem gets solved is if the IOU that we have, right? If God himself becomes a man and pays for it. That way he satisfies his wrath because he takes the fine and pays the fine himself, amen? And guess what? When he pays the fine and fulfills the law perfectly and becomes the sin offering, the perfect one, there's no more debt that we have to pay him for because he's satisfied that in his punitive or his punishment, his substitutionary or vicarious atonement on the cross on our behalf. In fact, we read in Colossians 2, check this out, verses 13 and 14. When you were dead, Colossians 2, 13 and 14, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven all our transgressions. Listen to this. Having canceled out the certificate of debt. Remember that IOU that we owe God? Having canceled out the certificate of debt. His law became a certificate of debt that we had because we had to fulfill it, but we couldn't. When Jesus went to the cross, he canceled out the certificate of debt, the IOU, consisting of decrees against us. Okay, that was the laws that were written against us that we owed him to pay, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So when Jesus was nailed to the cross, he paid our fine. The IOU and the commandments against us were nailed to the cross. They were paid in full. Jesus on the cross said, Tetelestai in the Greek, right? Tetelestai, paid in full. Your whole debt was paid off right there, boom. 
And if you're saying, no, I got to go, I got to go back and keep all those Jewish laws that were never given to you in the first place. Uh, that's like pulling Jesus off the cross saying, nah, what you did wasn't good enough. I got to do it. That's wrong, man. That's so wrong. Well, guess what? Since Jesus did pay our debt, Paul goes on to say, don't let anybody try to get you to keep the Sabbath or to keep the festivals, keep the holy days in the Old Testament. He goes on to write the very next verses, verse 16 and 17. Therefore, verse 15, he talks about how he disarmed principalities and powers. Then in verse 16, he says, therefore, therefore, meaning because Jesus paid the debt on the cross and paid paid our sin debt. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink, dietary laws, or in respect to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. No one's supposed to judge you. Or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Those things were shadows. The Sabbath day rest, that was a shadow of the rest that I have in Jesus. Joe, do you keep the Sabbath? I don't keep the seventh day of Sabbath. I have Sabbath every day because guess what? Not just Saturday, but Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday as well because guess what? I'm at rest in Jesus. His yoke is easy. I'm, not, I'm resting from my works. My salvation is secure in Christ through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen to that. And I think that is one of the most important statements that can be made. And I believe the author of Hebrews does a great job of that in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, explaining that we still have a Sabbath rest and that Sabbath rest is found in Christ. You know, I used to say all the time, you know, we keep nine of the Ten Commandments from the the Ten Commandments, but I actually believe we do keep all ten of them because we actually have a proper rest in the person of Jesus Christ. We have the proper Sabbath the proper peace, uh, the proper understanding of who he is, and the proper rest, and because we have rested from those things. And I think Paul addresses this. And Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, is one of the most memorized verses, I believe, in the Christian faith. It really summarizes what we become. And I think a lot of times it parallels, when we look at this, it parallels a lot of what we see in Jeremiah 31 about the new covenant that will be written on our hearts, right? It wouldn't just be written on stone. It'd be something written on our hearts that God would do. So I want to start in Galatians chapter uh, chapter 2. It says, we are Jews by nature and not sinners from the Gentiles. Nevertheless, knowing that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Since by works of the law, no flesh will be justified. But if, while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have also been found sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Far from it. For if I rebuild what I have once destroyed, I prove myself to be a wrongdoer. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. Check that out. I might live for God. Remember, the very next chapter, he's going to talk about the pedagogue, how the the law is actually the schoolmaster, a penial schoolmaster that whips you to Christ and brings you to Christ. And that's what it says in verse 20. For I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. 
And then he says in verse 21, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. And remember, we don't take any statement from Scripture and make it a a part without the whole. And in fact, when you look at Galatians, we are given direct orders in terms of how we would walk in our faith. And the differences between walking in the faith, walking in the Spirit, and walking in what? The flesh. And it tells us the fruits of the flesh. It also tells us the fruits of having Christ in us, the hope of glory, and tells us precisely that the fruit of the Spirit, a love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And these are the things that you have when you're in Christ. And when it comes to the law, when it comes to the Mosaic law, not only here and elsewhere, dying to it, but I believe that Romans, the seventh chapter, probably gives us one of the most vivid descriptions when it comes to specifically dying to the old law. As Joe has said over and over in this message, we cannot get around it that there was a divorce, a certificate of divorce that was writ for Israel and Judah. And then guess what? We are now under the new covenant, and it's not... It is is something so beautiful that we get to have Christ in us, that we get the Holy Spirit now inside of the believer, in our hearts. And he is now the one that if you get to Romans 8, after coming from Romans 7, that we get the victory. It is through Christ and Christ alone that we have that victory and become more than conquerors through him who loves us. It's not that we no longer have a law, but we have a law that is greater. We have a law of Christ, and it's not just tablets to read from, but it is the Holy Spirit that helps guide us and walk us in sanctification and in truth. God bless. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.